No man on his deathbed has ever wished he had spent more time at the office. I thought I told you never to interrupt me while I'm working. Whether you have three spare hours or three spare minutes, make it count. Welcome to Anchor Points, a program produced by Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. How do you use your time, your money, your resources? Do you put them to good use? Today, Robert Quintana begins a new series of messages to help you think about the way you use everything God has given you, and not to waste any of it. In part one of Make It Count. It was September 19, 1997. I was in my dorm room when a good friend of mine uh, walked in and he said, have you heard the news? And I looked at him and I said, I guess not. And uh, he said, he said, Q, it's just bad news. And uh, he shared with me the tragic news of Rich Mullins passing. Um, that night he was headed up to a benefit concert when his Jeep flipped, rolled over. Um, he was thrown from the vehicle and uh, somewhat graphic a little bit here, but uh, he was hit by a semi-truck and he was killed instantly. Now for those of us that were huge Rich Mullins fans, of course it hit us like a ton of bricks um, I remember for days I was kind of in a little haze. Just, it, it can't be. How can Rich Mullins be gone? And some of you might not even know or recognize the name Rich Mullins. Rich Mullins is probably um, one of the uh, most influential um, musicians, songwriters of our time, of our age. You might not remember or recognize his name, but you certainly would recall or recognize some of his songs. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns in heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Maybe you've sung it and you didn't know that it was rich, but uh, rich uh, definitely influenced the, the, the world of Christian contemporary music. And I would encourage you, if you've never heard any of his songs, to go pick up an album because... Um, the way that he could bring together uh, poetry, songwriting, and songs together was just, it was masterful. It was just beautifully done. And uh, I remember uh, reading a little bio on his life and how he was living his life um, there towards the end. It's just really remarkable. Um, Sold hundreds of thousands of albums um, by all accounts. He could have been a millionaire, but he chose not to be. In fact, he chose that the, all the proceeds of his records and all the proceeds of his concert would go to charity. And he chose to be paid by his local church an average American wage. And at this time, he was living in, in Wichita. And so, you know, thirty, thirty-five, $40,000 is what he chose to live off in a year which is quite different in today's day and age. You have musicians, you have artists, and God has blessed them tremendously, and they live lavishly. And I don't want to say that everyone lives that way, but certainly, you know, they have the cash, and that's how they live, but not Rich Mullins. 
Richmond decided to take a vow of humility, take a, a vow of poverty, some would say, and just live very simply, and all the proceeds would go to the charity. He would spend most of his time at an Indian reservation just helping out the down and out, the needy, the disenfranchised, those that were struggling with alcohol addiction or domestic violence. That's how he spent most of his time was helping out those in need. And when I look at the life of Rich Mullins, I look and I see a man who, with the resources that he had, he made it count. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about here today and for the next several times that we are together is making it count. You see, because when we talk about stewardship, it's not really about acquiring more. It's really not about having more. When we talk about stewardship, it is about what we have making it count. I grew up in a home, and some of you might be able to relate to this, but I grew up in a home where we made everything count to the last penny and to the last drop. Toothpaste, for instance, we squeezed the toothpaste, you know, tube all the way to the very end and we would roll it up and we would squeeze it. And just when you thought you couldn't get any more, we would pull out the scissors. <laughs> we'd cut the edge of the end of it. We'd come down the edge. Can anybody relate to this? You open it up like you peel back a banana and you grab your toothbrush and you just dig that little bit out, making it count to the last drop. To the day she died, Heather's grandmother would have a little can of oil next to her stove. And she would use that oil, she'd cook whatever, she'd fry up some eggs, and, and then she would take out, you know, the, the residue, the, the thing, you know, the, the burnt, and then she would take that oil and she'd, she'd pour it back into the can, just making it count to the very last drop. Uh, going back to my childhood, I remember uh, squeezing um, fresh-made orange juice on Sunday mornings. And I remember the first time that I got tasked with squeezing the orange juice for breakfast, and we had that juicer, you remember, it's kind of like a little cone thing. And I, I grabbed, you know, I cut all my oranges, I took one half, and I pressed it on there, put it to the side. Grabbed another one, pressed it, put it to the side. Grabbed another one, pressed it, put it to the side. Until my father came along and he said, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean what I'm doing? I'm making orange juice. He says, no, what are you doing? There's so much orange juice left in these halves. I said, what do you mean? I already squeezed them. He says, no, there's much more. And so he grabbed it and he showed me and he just pressed and he torqued and he just rubbed it all the way. And then he, he removed it and he says, see, that's what it should look like. And there was not a drop of orange juice in that half. And I wasn't as strong as him, so it would take me, you know, twice as long to just press and press and press and press. You see, when we talk about stewardship, it's not about acquiring more. It's about making the best of what we have. In other words, the resources, the gifts, the talents that we have is making it count. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 25. We're not going to spend too much time 
on this parable, but I want to read it to you because it is a common parable that we always, you know, bring up when we talk about stewardship, but it brings home the point of making it count or make it count. Matthew chapter 25, I'm reading from the New King James Version today, starting there with verse 14. And it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey when he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. He took the five talents that God had given him or that the Lord had given them and he made it count. He made it count. Uh, Read verse 21. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. What did he do with his two talents? He made it count. And it says here in verse 23, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you have not made the best of what I have given you. You did not make it count. You took it and you buried it. It says here in verse 26, but his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you know that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. You see, when we're talking about stewardship, it's not about acquiring more or making more money or having more time or wanting to have more talents and more gifts. No, when we're talking about stewardship, it's all about what are we doing with what we have. And the point to this series is make it count. Whether you have five talents or you have one talent, make it count. Whether you have a million dollars or a hundred dollars, make it count. Whether you have three spare hours or three spare minutes, make it count. Whatever situation you're in, 
whatever scenario you might be involved in, whatever business transaction is at your doorstep, whatever you, it is that you are experiencing with your wife or with your children, make it count. Don't just let it waste away. But the one passage I really want to look at today Because just the intensity of this passage just grapples me. It's found in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 13. I'd like for you to turn there with me. Matthew chapter 13. I want you to recognize the intensity in which Paul is speaking here. Romans chapter 13 starting with verse 11. And it says, And do this knowing the time that now... It is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And Paul wrote this some 2,000 years ago. Could you imagine if he was alive today? Could you imagine how he would reword this or how he would say it today? As he would look around our planet and he would realize that everything is set in place for the coming of our king, for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Everything is set for Jesus Christ to come. Could you imagine how he would phrase this today? But back then, even then, it was eminent. He says, and do this, knowing the time that now it is High time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first begun. In other words, at the end of today, we are one day closer to the coming of Christ. And so Paul says, listen, take advantage of every moment, of every second. Take advantage of every dime, of every penny. Take advantage of every gift. Take advantage of every interaction that you might have with your spouse, with your children. Take advantage of the time at your workplace, in your classroom, and make it count. Because when we talk about stewardship, My friends, it is about taking what we have been given and making it count. Now, see, you might not have much, but that's okay. God says, whatever you have, make it count. You might be sitting here today and say, well, I don't have very many talents. I don't have many, many resources. I don't have much of anything. God says, okay, I recognize that. I realize that, that you don't have much. But what he is saying to you and to me today is whatever you have, make it count. You know, the Bible is full of stories of men and women who did just that, who took very little, but with the little they had, they made it count. And really, honestly, I could have closed my eyes and I could have opened the Old Testament and pointed somewhere and there would have been a story of a man or a woman who took what they had and made it count. But the one story that I want to look at with you here today is found in the book of Daniel. I'd like for you to turn to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1. Here we read the story of a young man who has nothing. Here, Daniel has been taken captive to Babylon. He's been stripped away of everything. He's been stripped away of any future that he thought he might have as a Hebrew back in Israel. He's been stripped away of of any future thoughts of of an occupation or maybe a, a loved one that he had or a significant other. He's been stripped away of family, of financial resources. He's been stripped away of everything, even including his own name he's been stripped of. 
But here in Daniel chapter 1, starting with verse 5, it says, And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Here, Daniel does not have much. But what he does have is the knowledge of the God of Israel. And what he does have is an understanding of God's will for him as to how he ought to live his life. That's all he has. And you know what Daniel did with it? He made it count. Daniel very easily could have said, you know what, forget it. I am going to bury this knowledge that I have. And most of us would have been okay with that. Most of us would have been, you know what, you're down and out. You're captive. Go for it. I understand. You're justified in doing that. But Daniel did not do that. There he has absolutely nothing except the knowledge of a God and the purpose for his life. And instead of burying it, what does he do? He makes it count. He's been stripped away of everything except his knowledge of God and the purpose of God for his life. And what does he do with it? He makes it count. And as a result, God blesses him. Let's just finish the story here in verse 9. It says, Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should we see your faces look worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. And Daniel said, It's all right. I have this knowledge and I'm going to make it count. Because I know that when I take what God has given me, however small that might be, however insignificant you think that might be, when I take what God has given me and I make it count, the promise is that God will bless it and that God will multiply it. And so Daniel wasn't afraid. In verse 11, it says, So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Put it to the test. Come on. We're going to make it count, and we'll see what God does with it. And let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies and as you see fit, so deal with your servants. Verse 14, so he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. Now, what do you think happened? Did God bless? Did God multiply? Did God see them through? Did they step out in faith and say, we're going to make what we have count? And they were left out there, hung out to dry? Absolutely not. 
You see, my friends, God has a habit. He has a reputation of standing up for those who are loyal to him. And when we take our gifts, when we take our resources, when we take our time and we say we are going to make this count for the greater good of the community, we're going to make this count ultimately for the honor and glory of God, God will come through for you. God will multiply. God will bless. And it says here in verse 15, and at the end of 10 days, there are Features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portions of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portions of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Listen to verse 17. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge, skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. When we talk about stewardship, it really is not about trying to acquire more. It's not about trying to make more money. It's not trying to to somehow figure out how we can have more time in the day. When we talk about stewardship, it really is all about what am I going to do with what I have? How am I going to leverage this time and make it count? How am I going to leverage this money and make it count? How am I going to leverage this interaction and make it count? How am I going to leverage this relationship and make it count? And just the other day, I was here at the office and I had a bunch of stuff to do. I mean, I had some deadlines, Uh, I had an appointment in the evening, and there were a bunch of errands that I had to run, and I was trying to get those things done before my appointments. And so just as I was getting ready to leave the office, someone walks in and starts chatting, starts talking to me. And for the first 30 seconds of that conversation, I kid you not, I was trying to close it. I was trying to, you know, bring it to an end, but I just, I wasn't having any success. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Q, make these few moments count. And I have to tell you, and I'm not sharing this to tell you that, that I'm so far along on this journey because for every one thing that the Lord reveals to me, there's like a thousand other things that I'm working on, okay? But, but just for, for that moment, I just felt such peace and, and just my, my soul was just settled. As I realized, you know what? I'm just going to take the time and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make these next few moments count, And and so what if I don't get to my errands? You know what? Maybe I can do that tomorrow. And I have to tell you, we just had the most lovely conversation. And it it really didn't last that long. But make it count. It helped me to be present. It helped me to be um, attentive to the need. And there are situations throughout our day where if you just let these three words ring in the back of your mind, make it count make it count. You're going to find yourself spending a little more time with your children. When your little girl comes to you and says, daddy, daddy, look what I just painted for you. Instead of just taking it and say, oh, that's cute. And just putting it, you know, behind you on the desk, make it count. Take the time to look at it. 
Take the time to pick her up in your arms and embrace her and just hug her and say, that is the most beautiful picture I've ever seen in my whole life. Just make those few moments count. And there are so many areas of life where I'm challenging you now to join me on this journey. Because the next few times that we're together, we're going to be talking about how we make things count in our lives. Because when we talk about stewardship, folks, it's not about getting more or acquiring more. It really comes down to what are we doing with what we have. The only verse in scripture you might know is, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him may not perish but have everlasting life. That might be the only verse you know. You know what? Make that verse count. Share it with someone. Uh, don't, don't fall back and say, oh man, if only I knew more. If only I had a better handle on scripture. You know, once I, I get to an understanding of, of, of a better handle on scripture and giving Bible studies, then I'm going to share. No, 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 no. Because when it comes to stewardship, it boils down to what are you doing with what God has already given you. So I want that, those three words, I want those three words to just ring in the back of your mind for the next several times that we're together, for the next several weeks that we're together. Just think about, make it count, make it count, ultimately for the honor and glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at frederickSDAchurch.org. Stewardship is about making the most of what we have, and you may be surprised to learn what God has entrusted to you. Next week, we hope you can join us as Robert Quintana reveals how God calls you to be good stewards of your words in part two of Make It Count. Also, if you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at frederickSDAchurch.org. You can also call us during the week at 301-662-5254. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m., and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.